strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. There is a strange joy at the heart of this day. Ash Wednesday has always been one of the most special services for me, as it was one of the very first services I went to as an Episcopalian. The service was haunting and beautiful, and I remember leaving knowing that I had just encountered something that was true, something that spoke a word deeper and more authentic than anything I had encountered elsewhere. I was there as someone who was struggling to believe in God, and yet the day didn't ask, first ask, for belief in God, so much as belief in my own mortality, my own waywardness, my own struggles to be at peace within. I could believe in that. Or to say it a different way, Ash Wednesday's first invitation as I first experienced it then wasn't so much to profess belief in God, so much as it wanted me to profess the belief that I was not God. From dust you came, and to dust you shall return. And it's a strange joy that that recognition brings to you, contemplating mortality and death, as this day bids us, is not usually something we do for fun. It takes courage to pray with the psalmist, teach us to number our days that our hearts might learn wisdom. There's a strange joy, though, in that kind of prayer because it's those people who've had close run-ins with death who see the utter preciousness of life. And I might add, it's one of the reasons that we're reading being mortal as a church over Lent. Because in contemplating and reckoning with our own mortality, we come to see a little more clearly and trust a little more dearly the God who took on our mortality. But this day is joyful for other reasons, too. After the imposition of ashes, we will say a litany of penitence, a litany full of probing lines, our self-indulgent appetites and ways, our anger at our own frustration, we'll say. We'll confess our envy at those more fortunate than ourselves, searing words. To the world, this might seem like groveling a little bit, self-recrimination, even self-hatred to key in on our failures like this. But I don't know. There's a freedom in this kind of honesty. There's a strange joy in being able to name all the ways in which we compromise ourselves and others. William Willimon, a famous preacher, tells a story of going to hear a sermon given by a popular spiritual author that was all about how we are all nice people who just need a little more affirmation. This particular writer preached the gospel of self-esteem. On the way out of this homily, Will Willimon encountered a, a woman who said something that startled him. She said, I'm so glad next week is Ash Wednesday. Glad for Ash Wednesday? Why glad for that? That's odd. She responded, you don't know me that well but I was the victim of sexual assault when I was a young teenager. I spent years in therapy trying to get over it, 
pop spirituality and feel-good religion were no help to me. That's why I'm glad we're coming to that time of year when the church makes us put all the injustice, sin, blood, and guilt on the altar and forces us to look at it and let God deal with it. Rejoice? We're beginning Lent. It's strange to say. This is when the poor, bumbling church courageously reminds us the joy of letting go of our illusions about ourselves. We offer our lives not to a God with high standards of conduct that bring out the best in us, but rather to a God who loves us and heals the worst. The great Christian writer C.S. Lewis was asked once why so many people who are atheists are such good people. Lewis responded, well, they have to be, don't they? If you don't believe in a God who forgives, you are damned to unrelenting goodness. <laughs> Clever. In lamenting our sins, there's also a room for joy, a strange joy. In the gospel we read, Matthew 6, Jesus instructs that when we fast, we're not to show sad, remorseful faces like a bunch of hypocrites and make a big deal of our mournful repentance. Jesus tells us that we're rather, we're rather to prepare as if for a party. We're to rejoice that the God whom we presume to be our enemy is really our best friend. Give thanks that the God whom we presume to be unwilling to do business with sinners, such as us, has embraced us, forgiven us, even died for us. And what joy to be given a fresh start, to know that it's not up to us to shoulder our own goodness. Why should men and women love the church? Asked the poet T.S. Eliot. Because she tells them of sin and death and other unpleasant facts of life they would as soon forget. We don't think of Ash Wednesday as one of the happiest, most joyful services of the year. But maybe we should, because at the heart of this day is an invitation to get honest, to get honest with God and with ourselves, and as we bring the darkness of the headlines and the darkness of our own hearts to the table, we do so confidently, trusting the one who became flesh for us. Because the strange joy of this evening comes to a completion as we gather at the altar to receive Christ's body and blood the table spread for you and me. And we will come, all of us who have been running from our own mortality, wounding ourselves and each other. We come just as we are. And there we will be fed by a love who hung on a cross for us, a love who holds all our failures in the wounds of his love. Friends, receive the strange joy of Ash Wednesday a summons to follow in the way of love, with a promise that in this way, which is none other than the way of the cross, we will be raised into joy. To know ourselves as forgiven sinners, as broken and yet whole, as wounded and yet healed, even as we long for the day, even as we long for the day when joy will no longer feel strange, but will gather about us fully and we will know it as the native country for which our souls were created. Amen.